0: Loyalty is important, and usually painful. One day you might find cause to ask yourself what the limit is to some pain you're experiencing, and you'll find out there is no limit at all. Pain
1: is inexhaustible. It's only people that get exhausted.
2: Welcome to True Detective Weekly on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Jake Rodkin. This week, we are discussing the fifth episode of season two of True Detective, Other Lives.
1: It was written by Nick Pizzolatto, and it was directed by John Crowley, who's directed a bunch of film and TV, including some like Beckett and Pinter stuff, which I don't know if that speaks at all to this episode or not, but he's this week's revolving
2: director man. Right. Uh... So, hey, we all saw that episode. We did. It felt to me like, I mean, literally in terms of plot, it felt to me like a obviously a big reset after last week. That's pretty apparent because the whole investigation like sort of exploded in carnage. And now the like the crew is sort of scattered to the winds and starting to reform. Um, But it also felt to me like a reset in terms of just the actual actual like feeling of the show itself, Um, like plot threads that have been sort of seeded through most of the season at this point are starting to um, like get connected bit by bit, especially in the second half of this episode uh, in a way that just wasn't really happening um, until this point. Uh, And I also, there also was a lot of, a lot of focus on, Family this episode, which I actually thought worked really well. Um, this episode had some of my favorite just like character stuff dealing with the realities of complicated lives. Like characters trying to like come to terms with things in their lives and with each other. Um, and I liked it.
0: I'm having a hard time with the series, I think, because the tone of the dialogue mm-hmm. feels so wrapped up in itself and not in service of actually like bringing these characters to life a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so hit or miss. I think the scene with Frank and his wife where she, I mean, very ham fistedly, but I think from a performance standpoint, elegantly Mm -hmm. talks to him about, Oh, you're the boy. And the, like, right. You don't, you should, that boy should have been adopted sort of situation was a beautiful scene. And I thought wonderfully acted by both the, the actors, but it just feels like the show, like I'm having such a hard time actually getting invested in the characters cause they don't say or do anything like human anymore. Hmm. <laughs> like screaming at your mom that she's a poison coos and then leaving <laughs> the, the trailer. It's like
2: what? <laughs> yeah. Although I actually really liked all the stuff between uh, Frank and Jordan. For some reason that relationship really works for me. Um, just the fact that they're like, that they're working through stuff that has presumably gone unsaid for a long time in their relationship, uh, and are working through it in a very overt way. I, for some reason I, I really like it. And I guess that's, I guess it just is hitting us in different ways. Well, that relationship is
0: really working for me for two reasons. One is that because the woman is strong in face of her, like, like basically of a like monster husband, his mob boss, like thug who's trying not to be that. Um, And then he is also showing some sensitivity and emotion in a way that typically these, like, cliched characters wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, You're seeing them move into a new place and try to, like, be at home and have a family. And you're seeing him actually, like, warm to it. So it feels like a human, like, it feels like it's all inside of, like, the possibility space of, like, human emotions as opposed to he just being an idea. And I think all that stuff is working really well. I just think the show is getting to a point where it's so... A great example is the watermark on the ceiling that we've never
1: seen or not seen.
0: Right, like
1: we- you see it once. He looks up and you see it once, and then oh, do cro- they have it? In that first and episode? then it crossfades into exactly the watermark on Casper's of the of Casper's burned eyes. Oh, and yeah, I went, right. "Oh come on, yeah." Uh, so you see, it, you see it
0: once. I feel like the show just leans on its script so hard now that if the script doesn't have these character moments in it, the actors don't have anywhere to go to like make themselves feel like dynamic
1: human being like dynamic human beings with a sense of humor and stuff. Someone on the forums actually put it reasonably well, which is that each episode almost feels like it's, it is introducing things again from scratch. Uh And like, I think, I think that's the feeling that I get where I feel like every week I wish it, I just wish that this was the first episode of the story because there's, there's enough meat to grab onto, but it keeps, it keeps resetting every single time. And I feel like I have to re-earn buy into the characters and re-earn buy into the motivation of the story over mm-hmm. and over again. I'm bought into the plot. It's like, okay,
0: yeah, I'll just stick around for the like to watch this like I mean like conspiracy like, slash murder mystery slash like corruption thing happen. But
1: yeah, the we, car- It's just we have Frank and his wife and like we're introduced by her coming in and being like, I wish you're backsliding. You own this club that you used to own. It's like, OK, great.
2: Now I know everything I need to know about. Them. I, I guess I, I guess that just isn't how it feels to me. Like when I think about um, Frank and Jordan, to me, the way they interact in this episode, even though you're right, the sort of stakes are are the same. The way that they relate to each other in the context of those things feels like it is the result of of an arc to me at this point. Like they, they, I, to yeah. me, they, they talk to each other and relate to each other in a way that feels like evolved to me now versus.
1: I, I don't disagree with that aspect of it. You're right. It's been just a strange barrier that I've had, but yeah. anyway, whatever we like can on we... a
0: positive note, this show has definitely made me appreciate Colin Farrell way more than I could have ever <laughs> in my life. Like, I think he's like just yeah. a remarkable actor and, he, like, wears pain on his face, unlike anyone I've ever seen, really. In but not television. a mustache anymore. But not a mustache. He also looks like he's 15 God, now. he looks so weird without that mustache now. so young and, so young now. and yeah,
1: handsome there, now. <laughs> there's, there's a shot of, of him in, in profile, and it's just like, that's just a different looking person. He's just a
2: just a good looking man now. <laughs> really? Man, I think he looks weird. With really? The, well, oh, with, he's the, just like, with the long hair, yeah. but, but not the mustache. Because think, the, the flashback to the younger him, that's like very he's got the dashing cop haircut. man. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah when that hair starts to like be a little less put in place when he's mm-hmm. running and it starts flowing and right. <laughs> he's just clean shaven and yeah. then you, then you're attracted. Beautiful. To yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but I mean the way he, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that's I guess I've already said it, but yeah, the way he feels pain as an actor when he's going yeah. through an emotional struggle is just so like gut punching and, it feels like his whole body is like yep. is in crisis. It's
1: really great. I guess plot wise, this episode. I mean, you you opened with this. I think, Chris, mm-hmm. it, it is the episode where everything starts actually cinching together correctly. I mean, we didn't last week. We predicted that this would be the scene where someone opens the the garage, you know, right. opens the garage door and they have yeah, yeah, they yeah. they stole all the case files. But instead, Annie's working in evidence, basically doing yeah. the same thing. Plus, I mean, it's her, been plus like two months. Yeah, of and, just and, languishing. And, now. and obviously, we had the the scene that just kind of popped up out of nowhere uh, of. Uh, Annie's boss just saying, "I'm recruiting you all for a special task force." Right. Um, oh, she
0: does Nick C- or Nick Fury would them. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like. Uh,
1: but
2: I guess well, it's it's because of the it's because of the like gubernatorial campaign of the attorney who is using right. this Every, like, the, because, big drug because the sort of politics like, have
1: escalated a step. Yeah, it's time yeah, to it's time to yeah. figure yeah. out what's going on, and all of that stuff made me realize I think that even though in moments I have a lot of trouble uh, really getting with these characters as characters. I still, I guess, am rooting for them in some capacity because right. seeing them start to sort of coalesce around this case and seeing them start to actually work stuff out together, both mm-hmm. interpersonally and in the case, I'm like, I'm getting enthused. So sure. like, it's not, I'm not like, it's, it's working on me. Yeah. The scene of everyone, ocean's 11 their like crew outside of the old, the building of the shootout. Maybe not great, but like starting to chase down the diamonds and starting to just everyone finally starting to actually chase down leads and having weird twists happen, but having it all be fueled by something other than just sort of malaise was really refreshing to me.
0: What are the odds that our our trio uncovers this trans California rich person's sexual violence conspiracy and then they all know it they find some justice in like ending one person's or two people's lives but then it gets suppressed by the system and they all have to go back into their lives it's
1: never gonna happen that's not how it's gonna end you don't think that's possible it ends with california seceding (laughs) um i mean i don't know like i liked Everyone, everyone knew that the end of last episode was basically bullshit. So it was nice to sort of see, but none of them, obviously they spent months not talking to each other about it. But now you have like Frank and Ray both being like, it wasn't those Mexican guys. And you have, you know, like just all the Mm -hmm. different characters sort of pairing off and being like, I think this is bullshit, but they all think it's bullshit for very different reasons or they have different motivations for it. Uh, Yeah. It's nice that the main players know
0: that that wasn't the guy who killed Casper. And it's just taken for granted in their conversations. It's like, oh, you think that guy really? Yeah, that right. I mean, really it's effectively
2: Casper. incidental relative to the larger right. thing. Right. It's that's nice that on. there's not like some yeah. sort of. But like, it,
1: it feels like what th- do you mean that being yeah. so pat was obviously the thing that just made them all go. I guess that's life, and just stop paying well, attention I mean, to also, it for two like, months. You know, we
2: knew even leading up to that that the that the investigation into Casper was only like nominally an investigation into Casper in the first place. Like there was never any intention from the powers that be. To actually solve that thing. And so that was doomed, you know, doomed from the beginning. And so now, like, even even in the investigation to actually find Casper, it's like has to be under false pret or you know, to, to solve that it has to be under false pretenses. And it's intriguing to me, even though obviously, you know, it's designed because it's a fictional story that that someone just wrote, but like it is interesting to me how many different things were pulled out this episode to connect back to the central Casper thing, you know? Like yeah. They the,
0: really tied that into like a much tighter knot than it had been yeah. before, uh, last night for sure. Just, or the night before,
1: like the diamonds and the guy tailing the guy and the story of Frank's
2: assistant right. and, mm-hmm. uh, the photos that any Dixon finds. had. Well, I, well, and also the stuff, there's something going on with Dixon who got, you know, right. Headshot at last season and also like had photographs. Right. It is alluded. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nice to know that the mystery is coalescing in a real way uh, when Frank tales. Uh, uh, no, no. When Ray tales Frank's guy and then it's Frank's assistant. It's the surgeon slash psychologist. It's the Russian guy. It's the mayor's son and the women, and it's, like, all these characters in a nice little bundle on that doorstep, right. and you see that they're all connected, and it's all, like... Well,
2: and then, yeah. at the same time that that's happening, uh, one of the sort of most constant relationships in the whole show, which is the one between Frank and Ray, which is this perpetual kind of desperate Ray being under Frank's thumb, is, like, clearly about to unravel because we realize that Frank basically just, like, bullshitted Ray in order to get him their to whole, do like, some their dirty whole work. Their k- whole partnership like, was founded on nothing, yeah, basically. Right. yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: How do you guys feel about that storyline? Like the like, what are your thoughts about that? I
2: mean, I, I guess like maybe in part because of how of you know what you were saying about about Colin Farrell. Like, I I I really buy how just sort of desperate and um, frustrated Ray is about the situation with the son, which he clearly knows is not really his son, and probably has always known. Uh, and just the 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 just desperate scrabbling to hang on to like the one sort of redemptive component of his life, mm-hmm. um, I think is really potent. And so, uh, the, in laying well, the,
1: it's it's also I mean just him holding on to his son for the sake of being a dad, but also he feels like he did really terrible things to keep this bullshit family alive at all. So here having that unravel on top of like paternity test. Aside, it feels like his son is also emblematic of the crazy sacrifices that he made as a person because right. of in, in yeah. hopes of trying to do stuff to solve
2: quote. It's his all wife's doubly rape. doubly pointless because his the one of the reasons that his wife like reached the breaking point was because right. he said he took vengeance on well, the guy. His like, wife so- didn't
1: want him to do that, and it was and the he, wrong guy, and no. it's not his kid. So right. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's all coming up, coming up, Ray. Yep. It's funny. I think like in
0: episode one or two, I said something like, "When on screen, Annie feels like the most dangerous character to me. Like she's just gonna mm-hmm, yeah. fucking do something crazy with one of her knives." But that feeling is completely gone now. Like I feel like me. Annie. Like, is, Ray is just the most dangerous guy. I feel on like screen. Annie
1: is being increasingly mishandled as a character me in this too. show.
0: It really bumps me out. Yeah. It bumps me out really hard. But on the positive side, I would say that, like, they've done an amazing job of taking the Colin Farrell character and just, just twisting him up into this coiled spring that yeah. does incredible damage very fast. Um,. So now that they ended this episode with him on Frank's doorstep, uh, gun in Frank's pocket and Ray believing that there's nobody else home. It's pretty, it's an exciting moment to go into yep. episode six with, mm-hmm. but I, in terms of Annie, I kind yep. of agree. I agree with you guys. And that she's fallen flat. Yeah. I know Chris, of-
1: we talked about this a little bit last week and you sort of said, well, I'll keep giving them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing with her, even though there's a bunch of just questionable shit. But I feel like, it, I feel like her, like, Character scenes get increasingly just questionable.
0: They're either to me. flat or she comes across as immature, whereas for the first three episodes, I felt like she came across as powerful and. Going her own way and like walking her own path.
2: What did you guys think about the? But um, I mean, also sort of deeply insecure. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, but like that powerfulness was like the counterweight to her right. insecurity. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to now, she's just sort kind of like insecure and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I guess that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Ultimately, if it comes around, because she has been very forcefully defanged professionally. I mean, she's stuck behind the evidence cage, basically and put in these, like, ridiculous, you know, assault counseling meetings or whatever, you know. The sexual harassment. Sexual yeah. harassment training stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 do, I do tend to agree with you guys, though. Um, sorry, Jake, were you about to say- Oh, well, just, I mean, uh, we
1: didn't talk about it last week, I don't think. But in that, maybe it was, yeah, it was last week in the action sequence. Mm-hmm. Every Every character in it just shoots a million bajillion bullets, and then she's the only character who has a scene... Where like she's worried that she might run out of bullets, and then she reaches for her knife, and there's all this Mm -hmm. like there's all this weird uncertainty with her about that, and then the I just I guess I didn't know what to make of the sexual harassment uh, counseling thing, other than they like writing her being sexually
2: aggressive in a way that's shocking to people, but well, I think she in that I mean in that in this this version of that felt different to me than the other ones and that this was her just like, just not giving a shit at all. Yeah. So, it was yeah. Like, yeah. This was so just it like, it. Yeah, yeah, just like, I have no time for this. This is completely like beneath me. What the hell is this? Yeah. Um, I read an interesting, sorry to just change the topics, but I just, this occurred to me this piece actually came out a couple of weeks ago, but I just saw it. It was uh, a Los Angeles times, writer the, the name of the piece on the los angeles times was a times writer's take on true detectives vinci that was vernon in a nutshell and it's just kind of interesting because it's written by someone who is a los angeles reporter who was familiar with the the actual history in real time of vernon the southern california like tiny little industrial city that served as the um Inspiration for Vinci in True Detective, and it was like the city administrator who died in real life. This guy Fresh um, made one point six million dollars in a year as uh, as Vernon City Administrator, and similarly, like was just totally corruption like swirling around him. Uh, was found dead like a couple weeks after an audit criticizing corruption in the city. It's I was reading this. It was interesting to see how much the real situation in this town was as just like fucked up and intertwined and corruption laden and just totally cloaked in secrecy. And it doesn't make me have an interesting observation about the show. um, But just reading through this account of someone familiar with the source material or, you know, or inspiration um, was surprising to me because it is the kind of thing you don't actually really hear about very often, even though surely it exists and goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would just never occur to me that that, that, that kind of stuff is as like cartoonishly outrageous right. as it like appears to be. The reality is
1: almost like it can be that stylized, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Reading about that stuff always makes me appreciate um, the fictionalized version more. But I wish I could appreciate it that much without having to know it. Oh as sure, well. you know what I mean? I mean. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean that, that's that's a case where like you could go either way on that, right? Because part of it is like the reason you appreciate any fictional thing is because of the resonance to reality. So then it's like, well, then is it my responsibility to know about things in life? Well, part of that is like up to what ends up being right. publicized and what histories do end up being told. So it, then, gets, it ends up in a know.
1: weird place when the story I think presents itself as like. This is just kind of life and how it always is. When, But then when you do the research, you're like, wow, this did happen, but it was incredibly exceptional. So I think when those two things are in contrast, sure. maybe yeah. it gets
2: a little bit weird because they're like – It's hard for me to be critical of this kind of thing, honestly, because I think so much of fiction just is this way. Like fic- the, uh, fiction, fiction – especially fictional crime is always about the most extraordinary version of the thing. It's never about the mundane one unless it's the wire, but that's like – A very rare thing and everything, everything about the wire signals its groundedness in that way. But that is, that is really uncommon. I mean, even the preceding season of this show has nothing to do with like everyday existence. And so, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's hard to really like be bothered by that. That's never something that's really been a challenge for me in in the case of this show. Um, There, there's one paragraph I wanted to read that I just really enjoyed. According to L.A. County District Attorney records, Fresh ordered a city official to make sure magnetic tapes and other city financial records were taken to a fire station where firefighters set them ablaze.
1: What a- <laughs> yes! Man, thing. using
2: using your own fire
1: department to destroy evidence by burning it is just yeah. like as outrageously dystopian fiction as you could get. That's like, you're just corrupt. It's pretty yeah. Good. It's pretty good.
2: Apparently, in the, in the just in the last couple of years, Vernon has sort of been like beaten into transparency because – the the like the city's tiny population, I guess, is sort of a liability, uh, and like pressure has been coming down from um, larger agencies in the state, and I it, it's been sort of cleaning up its act. But essentially, until basically 2010, was just a total like that was actually a hole. detail
1: that I that I liked a lot in this episode was Ray's no longer a police officer and he's been off the force for a few months and he gets the visit from that from one Lieutenant, of his supervisors, yeah. yeah. It's like, why are you here? And it seems like he was there kind of to get some dirt. But then his last thing was, Oh, also these row houses are for city employees, which is basically like, (laughs) well, you're not on the Vinci payroll anymore. So you should probably leave because we want to keep our, uh, not in our pocket population as non-existent as possible. Thank you. Please get out of the city. Yep. I thought that was, it immediately just reminded me of like, I, I used to work right by San Quentin prison and like the, all the, all Mm. there's a ton of housing there, but it's, it looks like a neighborhood, but it's just for employees. And it just, right. that's all that I, like, I never think of towns having that. And I don't think it's common for them to, but it seemed like, a it seemed like a totally vi- a viable thing for Vinci. I th-
2: in in the Presidio here in, in San Francisco, which is a like sort of big forested area that used to be a military base in the city. There's a lot of housing there that, that when LucasArts and Lucasfilm were, had a huge presence in the Presidio a lot of that housing was, like, reserved for employees of the Lucas. Oh, crazy. That probably yeah. is still the case. Lucasfilm is still there. Yeah, I guess they're still there, yeah. yeah.
1: So you're saying that the Lucas George Lucas Empire maps pretty closely to the city of probably. Vinci, as we're seeing <laughs> here. They do have their own fire so. department, which I imagine uh, George Lucas's the Skywalker Ranch fire department. Its only There's job a Skywalker was Skywalker Ranch fire department. There is, and oh. it it, uh, it was rumored to have been the the uh, enterprise that destroyed the original non special edition prints of the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, that's not true. Actually,
0: he drove them out there and said, "Burn, <laughs> burn these,
1: let no one see them again." Yeah,
0: don't worry, I have digital copies that have a jab in them. <laughs> I'm um, just
1: waiting for an email, a reader mail to show up. Yeah, you guys want to do some of that? Yeah. yeah,
0: if you have any questions you'd like us to talk about (laughs) do this (laughs) to do this too, uh, please send them in to questions at truedetectiveweekly.com
2: we will listen to them um here's one that that we a few people different people point out and i don't think we've, we've brought it up before and if i have i'm sorry someone just let me know uh this is from g byron williams who writes hey guys i'm not sure if you've mentioned it before but each episode's intro video is different episode to episode and sections of the introductory song also change um, I thought it was a nice attention to detail for this season, seeing as season one's intro sequence was so iconic for the show, so much so that Hannibal actually used a similar layover effect in their most recent episode, which I can't help but think was influenced by True Detective's title montage. Um, anyway, so there's, there's some other stuff, but that, that's the main thing I wanted to bring huh. up.
1: The I, I have felt like it's not exactly the same, but I was
2: not yeah. ever yeah. ever able to pinpoint I why. I don't think I knew it. The passages used in the opening song definitely are chosen from episode to episode, and that was like this past, it starts in the same beat though, right? Yeah. yeah, the music is the same, but they but they use different verses. They use just different mm-hmm. like chunks of the lyrics, and uh, that was really noticeable this time. Just had lyrics that were just of a metrical quality that was totally that were totally different mm-hmm. than I really than liked what it this week. Before. I thought yeah. it was really strong. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think th- I, f- I find the the in general I really really like the opening titles to this season. Um, so Pierce Shea writes. Hey, Thumbs. Does it seem like Pizzolatto channels other writers? The nihilism, scumminess, and grand eloquence of Thomas uh, Liggety in season one, and then the bleakness, phantasmagoria, desperation, way there seem to be just one too many characters, and the violence of brutal, damaged men of James Elroy in season two. Velcoro and Paul feel super similar to Dwight and Lee from Elroy's Black Dahlia to me. You haven't mentioned Elroy yet, and in case you've not read him, I suggest you do. Black Dahlia has the benefit of being short and not choked with characters. His LA stuff is pretty great noir crime fiction. Um he also points out it was a Conway Twitty impersonator not an Elvis impersonator uh who opened Oh man well, the dream yeah. sequence that yeah is, sorry about that
1: that is true and better.
2: Uh, and finally i forgot he, good true detecting yeah <laughs> finally he continues i forgot this bit about Elroy the big nowhere elroy's follow up to black dahlia features among other things a gay cop struggling with his sexuality and a corpse with genitals damaged and eyes removed dropped off in a Buick
0: oh so, shit <laughs> good true detecting twice yeah wow yeah i completely forgot about
1: pierce on the scene i forgot about james elroy when we were talking about like just la crime i've never read him obviously obviously elroy is just that makes complete sense i've read a series of short stories by him and i read the black dahlia a few years ago and i've forgotten most of what happens in any of it other than the tone of it being kind of like uh it's
0: just it's it's, wow that's a real channeling yep That's a little, that's, that's bold. <laughs> Channeling is the, is the nicest word to use there.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, if, uh, if you have any questions or comments about, uh, truth or truths two, to, expose. Uh, or truth to expose, detect things to detect in season two or about the episode in particular, especially the upcoming episode, episode six, you can email us at questions at true detective weekly.com Uh, We can't get to everything, but we do read it all and try to fit in what we can. Um, Yeah, you can find our website at truedetectiveweekly.com. Our iTunes page is linked from there. And if you think we deserve a nice review, we would appreciate it. Um, And we will be back next week for episode six. Thanks, guys.
0: Take care.
1: See you guys.